This is the Chamber Chat Podcast, the show dedicated to chamber professionals to spark ideas and to get actionable tips and strategies to better serve your members and community. And now your host, he speaks one language. He's my dad, Brandon Burton. Hello, Chamber Champions. Welcome to Chamber Chat Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Burton, and it's my goal here on the podcast to introduce you to people and ideas to better help you serve your chamber members and your community. Before we dive into this episode, I wanted to plug our partnership with Izzy West for her 2023 Chamber Pros Planner. We have five of these Chamber Pro planners ready for fans of Chamber Chat Podcast. So if you are interested in in winning one of these planners, all you have to do is leave a review for the show and either Apple Podcasts or the Facebook page for Chamber Chat Podcast and send me a screenshot of that to brandon at chamberchatpodcast.com and you'll be entered to win one of these five Chamber Pro planners. Our title sponsor is Holman Brothers Membership Sales Solutions. Let's hear from Diane Rogers, President and CEO of the Ranch Cordova Area Chamber, to learn how the Holman Brothers has provided value for her. As a medium-sized chamber, we recognize that it's absolutely critical to have a well-qualified and well-trained membership development person. Holman Brothers trained that person, recruited that person, and they even trained me on how to manage that person. We're grateful for the support we got. You can learn more about Holman Brothers Membership Sales Solutions by visiting holmanbros.com. Successful membership salespeople are problem solvers. They ask better questions, uncover more problems, and pinpoint how their chamber can help. It's how they consistently drive better membership sales outcomes. Here's the hurdle. Most membership salespeople don't get enough coaching to recruit like this. Holman Brothers Next Level Coaching supplies the year-round guidance that your membership rep needs to drive growth for your chamber. Visit holmanbros.com slash nextlevel to learn more and request a free trial of Next Level Coaching. Our guest for this episode is David Brown. David has recently joined Next Generation Consulting as lead consultant. He is the retired president and CEO of the Greater Omaha Chamber, one of the largest and most highly accredited chambers in the nation. Some of you may remember I had David on the podcast back in episode 71. Uh, We're on episode 199 now to give you some perspective. It's been a little bit. Uh, Backed by 30 years of experience in economic development and chamber administration, David led the chamber with bold vision and contagious enthusiasm. The organization advocated for a strong business climate and community building, created opportunities for member visibility and business connections, pursued investment and jobs for the region, strengthened leaders and the community, and enhanced the region's brand and image. Under his leadership, the Chamber partnered with the United Way of the Midlands and the Urban League of Nebraska to develop Omaha 2040, a 20-year vision for the region. Initiatives focused on diversity, equity, and inclusion, regional mass transit, redevelopment of the urban core, economic development, and talent attraction and retention. During his tenure in Omaha, the Greater Omaha Economic Development Partnership Omaha's regional economic development effort led by the chamber successfully landed 972 projects representing 56,433 jobs and nearly $15 billion in capital investments since 2004. 
David began his career in organization management in Michigan in 1983 as president of the Monroe County Industrial Development Corporation and director of the Port of Monroe. He served 10 years in Indiana as the Fort, Greater Fort Wayne Chamber of Commerce, first as vice president of economic development and then as president. His next assignment took him to South Carolina, where he was president and CEO of the Greater Greenville Chamber of Commerce. David assumed the role as president and CEO of the Greater Omaha Chamber in October 2003. He is a graduate of Dartmouth College with academic specialties in industrial location and environmental studies. David, I'm excited to have you back with us today on Chamber Chat Podcast. I'd love for you to take a moment to say hello to all the Chamber Champions and share something interesting about yourself so we can all get to know you a little bit better. Oh, yeah, Brandon, thanks for having me. I, I, I knew we'd been on not so recently, but I didn't realize that it was back in 2020. That was in the, the height of all things disruptive happening in the world. So um, right. it's, it's good to be here when things are a little bit more settled than they were back then. I think we all learned a lot about ourselves and about our world and about our communities in the last few years. Um, you know, I've, I've been fortunate to have been married to a terrific woman for 40 years. Uh, Maggie and I met in 81 and we're married in 82. Uh, we have two sons, uh, 28 and 38. Um, the older one is a videographer and uh, a photographer by trade. Okay. And my youngest son is an opera singer. So I'm not exactly sure how we ended up with such artsy kids, considering I've been in the chamber world all my life. But um, <laughs> it's been remarkable to see them uh, express their talents. And uh, when they perform or are showing showcasing things, you can't be prouder. So um, lots of folks don't really know that about my family. So that's a, a way to kind of see into maybe how I think and why I think, a way, way that, why I think the way I do. Yeah. Um, so it's been it's been a great career and a, and a great life. And um, as I was told just earlier today, you really haven't really retired. You just sort of started your second career and have, have to decide kind of what's your uh, how much time you're going to be spending retiring versus how much time you're going to be spending uh, working. So um, <laughs> that's, that's been an interesting challenge figuring this out. That's right. And we'll, I'm sure, touch on that a bit more in our conversation today. Yeah. Um, you know, it is great to see your kids, you know, develop their talents or skills and watch them flourish. And it doesn't, you know, you can't help but have a sense of pride as you see them do those. Yeah, things. absolutely. I mean, I mean, everyone, as they should be, are very proud of what their kids' accomplishments are. Um, I'm just amazed by skills that they have that I can't even get close to. So I'm wondering how they've got the interest and found all this energy and artistic ability. But it's uh, I think, I think I'm just getting more gratified by the fact that I know I can't do what they do. So right. it, it's really interesting to watch them do their thing. Yeah, absolutely. So I mentioned in your bio that you are retired now as mm -hmm. president and CEO of, of the, the Greater Omaha Chamber. Mm -hmm. uh, and now you're the lead consultant at Next Generation Consulting. Sure. Would you take a minute and tell us a little bit about Next Generation Consulting and what that is, how you guys, you know, who's your ideal client, clients, who you work with, type of work you do. Sure. Perspective. So Next Generation Consulting is the uh, consulting firm that was started by Rebecca Ryan, who is a futurist, um, you know, 15, 17 years ago. Uh, and I met her in 2003 when she helped us establish our first Young Professionals Council um, in Omaha when I got there. And uh, she came in and just talked to us what, about what best practices were and, and how to make an effective uh, YP group. Um, 
which is now, I think, one of the largest in the country. It definitely has the largest um, YP event where we'll get 16, 1700 people at an at a annual YP summit. Um, and we've really converted what started out as a, a networking opportunity for young professionals to kind of build their network into not just that, but also a leadership training opportunity um, and the opportunity to get young people engaged in strategic discussions around the community. So we we really went from, yeah, maybe we should do more with our young professionals to now they are a dynamic part of virtually every strategic discussion that happens in the Omaha community. Um, and in our community, there at least last count that I, when I was still there, was about 50 or 60 young professional organizations within companies and within other nonprofits and with other industries that grew out of that initial work that we did with Rebecca back in 2003. So, you know, Rebecca is a, a, a force of nature. Um, if you've met her or have seen her speak, uh, you know that um, she can handle a crowd and motivate a community like just about nobody else that I've ever seen. Um, but she's also a, a pretty significant, a very significant player in help, helping communities solve problems. So over the years after 2003, um, we started calling her whenever there was something, something that just wasn't quite clicking. And then finally in 2017, we called her and said, look, we've been doing strategic planning uh, the same way we've been doing it for decades. And uh, we need to do something different if we want to have different results. And so can you give us a hand thinking through this? And so as a result of that, we went through uh, the strategic foresight process that is a, a futurist process that helps communities figure out what they want to be 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years from now. It, it's been a, a, an industry norm for utility companies and for um, communities who have to build big infrastructure to use uh, futurist concepts to get their stuff done. But for communities, it's kind of difficult to think, I'm going to try and figure out what my community is going to be like 20 years from now. Uh, so for the first time we did that in Omaha and we created, as you mentioned, Omaha 2040, uh, which uh, was a fascinating process. And what's really intriguing to me is that it helped us think about what we needed to do differently, given the fact that the community was going to change over the next 20 years. And the work that we did to figure out how it was going to change helped us figure out what we should be doing to accommodate that change. Or if we needed to create a disruption that would stop some kind of change and create something else, we could figure out how to do that. So it worked for us. It was a great process for us. And over that timeline, I got to know Rebecca really well. She got to know me really well. And we realized that maybe there was a role that I could play when I, whenever I retired at the time, it wasn't something that was gonna be imminent. Um, and then I might be able to be helpful to other communities with the experience that I had in the communities that I'd been in. So um, when I finally realized that I was probably going to be retiring sometime in the, the spring of 22, um, we started talking. And that was about 18 months prior to retirement happening, just trying to figure out if there was a fit or not. Um, yeah. I had... And, and, you know, for, for her, and we'll talk about the process of getting there, but, you know, Next Generation Consulting does work with communities and helping them build visions for the future. Um, we can talk about that process, if you like, as we move on here. Yeah. Um, but they also work with industry, um, utilities, et cetera, and helping them try and figure out, you know, their, their future process. And they really do a lot of training of teams and staff so they can, they can become um, – 
adept to thinking like a futurist too, and using these this methodology to to make a lot of decisions th throughout their time. So mm -hmm. it's a interesting fit, and um, so far I've been in a couple of projects with her, and you know it's working. It seems like so yeah. so far so good. That's good. I love that futuristic mindset. It always it reminds me of the the great Wayne Gretzky. You know, this <laughs> quote of "You got to skate to where the puck is going." You know, yep. you can't you can't go to where it was because then you miss the boat. Yeah, right. um, we've used that term before. It's a it's a great analogy because that's really what we're doing. Um, right. I mean, think of anything that you've set as a goal. Um, it usually isn't a goal for tomorrow. It's a goal for something substantial down the road. You got to figure out how to get there, but you got to know where you're going first. Exactly. And, that's always been a challenge. If, if you do strategic planning as the way it's traditionally been done, you look back five years, see what happened, what worked, what didn't work, discard the stuff that didn't, add some more stuff on the front side to look at some new trends you might be aware of, and you build a five-year plan and figure out a way to pay for it, and implement it, and do it again five years later. And we've all done it that way. This instead says, let's put a, a mark in the sand about where we want to be and what we want to be, and then let's backcast from that a series of opportunities to make differences in the community so you actually get to that end goal and uh it, it's a it's a fun process um it's a lot of work um but it's well worth it because it becomes that foundational context and that was the one thing i found in omaha is our chairman looked at that and said now i know why we do what we do because i can look at 2040 and see where we're going and i can see the steps we're taking to get us there yeah, he used it in every speech there on in saying context is important. You got to know why you're doing what you're doing and where you're going. So it, it's a great tool for communities to use. Absolutely. Well, as we get into our topic for discussion today, uh, we're going to focus on what life is like, you know, going through retirement. So mm -hmm. life after retirement as a chamber exec and the nuances with it and, and different mindset changes. We'll, uh, we'll dive into this discussion as soon as we get back from this quick break. Are you looking for a year-round, affordable, and timely shop local campaign for your chamber or CVB? Look no further. Build a custom Eat, Shop, Play mobile app with App My Community by visiting appmycommunity.com slash chamberchat. App My Community mobile apps are not just simple membership directory listings. They provide many more capabilities to engage with your community. Provide your residents with a robust events calendar. Partner with a local fair, festival, or farmer's market to provide a schedule, map, and other resources to promote the event. Run a small business Saturday campaign any time of the year using built-in scavenger hunts. Allow your membership to communicate directly to their customers via push notifications. Your App My Community mobile app will be a unique member benefit, allow you to generate non-dues revenue with sponsorship opportunities, and best of all, provide a valuable resource to your community. Please visit appmycommunity.com slash chamberchat now to receive 10% off your first year of an App My Community mobile app. Hey, it's Izzy again. I've got some questions about the annual Chamber Pros Planner that I publish, so I wanted to encourage you to visit my website, theizzywest.com, as I have a video you can watch to see if my planner is right for you. I flipped through the physical book so you can see what the monthly spread, weekly to-do list, and meeting notes pages are like. This planner is designed to help keep you on track for your 12-week goals as you push your chamber forward. Again, go to theizzywest.com for the preview. That's the I -Z -Z -Y 
Chambers of Commerce have been around for over 400 years, promoting communities all over the world. But today, so much is found digitally that Chamber Nation believes it's critical that there is a custodian of local digital information. They believe the Chamber is in a perfect position to be that organization. Chamber Nation provides an amazing membership management system you use to manage the Chamber and the community. They also deliver a complete membership development system that they manage for you to be sure your membership community is fully documented for search and much more. Essentially, Chamber Nation delivers an entire membership support department, which is perfect for those chambers with a limited budget that needs to do more. With Chamber Nation, not only do you have a membership management system, but also a membership development system all in one terrific package. So save money and be impressed by visiting richardscalendar.com to set up a demo with their CEO or learn more at chambernation.com. All right, David, we're back. Uh, As I teased before our break, we're going to talk about life after retirement. So hmm. you you kind of alluded to it a little bit and to how you oh. ended up with Next Generation Consulting, but what was that transition like? And as you go through explaining, I, I want to try to keep in mind for maybe the, the younger chamber professionals that are listening, the things that they can do now as they prepare, you know, down the road, talk, talk about 20 years down the road, mm-hmm. uh, where that puck is going, what can their retirement look like and start planning now as they go that direction? How's it been for you so far? Well, it has been terrific, but I must admit it, um, it's harder to be retired than it is to be working um, <laughs> because your natural inclination is to work. And so even just sitting here in my office at, at my house, um, my inclination is to find out what else is there out, out there that I can work on. Um, and I've got to constantly remind myself that, yeah, that's not what this is supposed to be about. You, you work when you want to work, but you play when you want to play. So when my granddaughter shows up, the computer turns off and we go do stuff with my granddaughter. Uh, so, you know, there, there's a, there's, there is a transition time. You, you, you got to play in there. I, I will tell you, your, your intro, though, started really interestingly. You really do have to start thinking about your retirement 20 years in advance. And I say that because the chamber world is not the most lucrative world in the world to to make what to be become wealthy, and so you got to be thinking about how are you going to support yourself and your spouse and your family when you finally decide to hang up the spurs and actually retire. And so you have to do a lot of financial planning. Um, find somebody to trust in the community and just start thinking about what is it going to look like um, when you're moving forward. Now it sounds basic. But it, it's always kind of the last thing that on the to-do list. You know, call that financial person and see what they think. And then implementing that plan is is not never real simple because there's it takes some um, courage. Number one, it takes some focus. Number two, and some commitment that you're going to make some decisions that well you'll benefit down the road from. So the first thing I would tell a chamber exec is if you haven't been thinking about yet. Um, how you're going to invest your money and how you're going to have money there for your retirement, you can't start soon enough and start start engaging in that in that process. And then doing what you commit to do. I'm actually going to do these things. I'm going to have you know the the specific reason to do it, and then I'm going to actually get that work done. Um, but you know, I think then when you actually start getting closer to the time that you're going to retire, uh, I found that I had to kind of fit it in between. Um, the next big items that I knew were coming down the road. So for us, it was a five-year fundraising campaign and development of a new 
five-year strategy. And so even though those all related to the, the vision that we had, there are steps along the way to get there. As all right. as you and other chamber execs figure, you know, you don't start a new five-year plan the year before the plan's supposed to take effect. You started it three years earlier and you start trying to figure out all those steps. So so for me, it was about um, did, did I have it in me to do yet another five-year plan? If I did, I needed to probably stay two or three more years because the money had to be raised and the plan had to be built and had to be sold to investors. And um, finally realized that, well, I, yeah, I could do it. I'm not sure that I wanted to do it. Um, and I was old enough that I could make that choice if the timing was right for me to retire. So so first off, I started really thinking about five years before I made the decision to retire, um, what's coming up? that is going to be hanging out there that I need to make a decision about my engagement in. Um, because I can either retire this year, or I can retire three years later, but what's it going to be? So you got to do some forward planning of your own about what's coming down the pike that you're going to be responsible for. Yeah, it's a little um, different than other careers where you can decide, yeah, I'll give it six more months or end of the year and retire. Yeah. I mean, if you commit to stick around, you're committing, you know, like you said, like another three years yeah. to be able to get to that next, you know, right. or that next big event or hurdle or yeah. whatever it is. It, it is never six months. It is always, yeah, because right. those things take years to get done. So it is always, okay, three more years of this. Yep. You, well, you weigh the financial benefit, you know, versus the psychological benefits or downs and you figure it out what, what, what you want to do. Um, but then I think, I don't know a chamber exec that is going to go, um, to the public park and observe their navel for the next 25 years once they retire. You know, they're just not going to sit there and contemplate life. They're going to be busy. They're going to do things. And um, you got to plan for that um, because you're right now you're busy doing nonprofit boards that you're engaged in or carrying out activities that you need to get your job done or raising money or networking, doing something. And all of a sudden, um, you're not going to be doing that. And so the next phase was, okay, now that I realize I want to retire, and I think I know when I want to retire, and I've done the financial planning to allow me to retire, what's retirement going to look like? <clears throat> and do I want to keep working at least part-time for a few years just to keep using my contacts, keep doing the things that I did well and trying to kind of take that to the next level? Or do I really want to do something totally different? Or do I just basically want to do nothing and just spend time traveling with family, et cetera? And those are all options that you need to consider. Um, and you got to really think about those hard because if you haven't figured it out by the time you actually close your office for the last time, um, the next day is pretty stark. The phone doesn't ring. You don't have another project meeting to go to. Um, even Calendar's if it's wide open, yeah. all of a sudden it's like, <laughs> You know, I thought I had a thousand people that just needed to talk to me every day. And they did when I was the head of the chamber. Right. But now if there's somebody else there and your time is over. Those calls don't come. And so you're really dependent upon yourself to figure out what you're going to do next. Right. So how has that transition worked for you with staying busy after leaving the chamber? And, and mm -hmm. did you have a clear enough vision, you know, looking back? I mean, it's been a little bit now to be able to look back and say, yeah, I feel like yeah. I planned well. and. I think so. For me, I said, look, I think I want to work about 25% of the time and I want to make about this much money. And I had to see if that was possible. And so I've got a couple of, of clients that I'm working with in the Omaha area and I've got work with Nebraska, I mean, next generation consulting with Rebecca. Um, and that fills about 25% of my time. Um, and I'm 
it's, it's working well. I'm enjoying what I'm doing. Um, what I really had to figure out is, as I mentioned earlier, pulling back away from this computer and turning everything off and just going to do sometimes nothing, um, many, most times something, but still just realizing that retirement's about 75% of my time right now. And it'll be that way for probably five years, I think. Yeah. Uh, then five years from now, we'll reassess and to say, you know, is it, is it something that I really want to keep doing or is it time to really sort of hang it up? And by then I'll have figured out all the other stuff that, that we'll be doing that I'm missing by having 25% of my time you know, taken up by consulting. But I must admit, I'm having a blast. Um, Rebecca and her team are fun to work with. They have really fun projects. I'm working in uh, Des Moines right now with her on a project. I worked a little bit with her on the Iowa City project. There's a whole bunch of projects coming up down the pike for communities that are doing 20-year visions. And, um, you know, I've got an interesting perspective because I was the customer of this right. firm for a long time. Now I'm learning about what's behind the curtain. You know, how's the sausage really being made and how does it actually happen? And those two blended together, I think, add a nice compliment to Rebecca and her team. Yeah. Well, and you also come from a unique perspective where you've been in different parts of the country, Indiana mm -hmm. and South Carolina and Nebraska, to be able to see how different things work and taking mm -hmm. ideas from what's worked in other communities. And of course, your network of other chamber professionals you've met throughout your career. I mean, great resources to be able to rely on and, yep. and really develop a, a good strategy for, for chambers. Yeah, very much so. I think the work in ACCE that I did when I was in that on that board or involved in committees, you meet a lot of great people there. And so not only do you able to use those, uh, that network that you've created, um, but you, real, you really think about who are the thinkers in this business and who are the ones that I can call and say, hey, what would you do about this? Or is something happening in your community that would help us resolve that? So this network is still there. Um, chamber execs move around as they do in every profession, but I keep track of them and make sure that I'm, I'm talking to folks on a pretty regular basis just to make sure I know what's going on out there that, that I don't get stale. But it, it has been a lot of fun to see peers out there in, in the field doing this work and um, to see the kind of visions that they're coming up with. You know, they're, they're dramatic and dynamic and uh, really forward thinking that can change communities. And, and most communities do need to change just because 20 years from now is going to be different than it is today. So it, it, so far it's worked. Right. So you brought up a, an important thing to to, to discuss, I believe, is the chamber execs that move from one chamber to another. And it happens a lot. Yep. Uh, you talked about the transition of leaving chamber world and going into retirement. What? How about the transition of you know exiting one chamber, going to another? Are you still looking at the timing? Should what what sort of things should be considered sure. before someone leaves one chamber to another? Well, I've always and I, I went as you mentioned. I went to from to four or five different organizations, and, and for me, it was always about uh, maybe a larger community with different challenges. Um, in a, one case, as you mentioned, geography was important. We had an opportunity to do some work in the south, and we had. My wife and I had never lived there and never worked there. And so it was an opportunity to kind of experience what was going on there, which is, you know, each of the regions of the country do economic development differently, I think. Yep. Um, weather, weather says a lot about that, but um, we were able to learn a lot in each of those different places. So, so for me to make a decision to leave, it was always about, am I going to get to something bigger, maybe something better? Um, I didn't want to be at a place that was so big that chambers couldn't have an impact. So I kind of moved around till I got to a point where I was thinking the right size city with the right size chamber that had the right level of, 
of uh, gifted authority, even if it wasn't official authority uh, to get things done. So yeah, you have to think about that. It's not a matter of just lateral moves, I think. You got to think about where you want you, where your skill set might be the, the most uh, useful. Um, and, and then, you know, when you when you do make a transition, one thing you really got to keep in mind, your contact list doesn't help you a, li a lick when you move to the new town. <laughs> um, you know, the things that give us strength as chamber execs is the network that we build automatically. Um, and, you know, your, your contact list was was my contact list was the envy of just about everybody in town because I had I knew millions of people, it seemed like, and knew how to get in touch with them if I didn't know their number off the top of my head. Then you move to another town. It's like, well, I know 12 people. Six of them were on the search committee. Six of them were on the exec committee and the board and nobody else. Right. And it, it takes a lot of then focus, energy to get to know people and to make that network another part of that, that resource that makes you so valuable in the community. So um, that's, that was the one thing that surprised me. Every time I left somewhere, I figured this is going to really be valuable. Take my Rolodex with me and yeah. So I mean, I mean we're we're seeing a lot of change in chamber world right now with you know transitioning from one chamber to another. Any mm -hmm. tips on how to build those networks in the new community? Yeah, I, I always thought, and I I think in this last gig, um, even though it was back in 2003, uh, it was about just being everywhere at once for that first hundred days. Yeah. They had to be everywhere talking to everybody. Uh, they had to, I always thought that they had to see that my level of energy was going to be far uh, greater than anyone else's, that I was going to be aggressive about meeting people, that I was gonna follow up on things that I said I would do, I mean, that building the network with the key decision makers and maybe even the next tier was just crucial. And so I, I would, despite what communities might put in front of you and say, here's what we want you to get done in 100 days. In that first 100 days, the most important thing you can do is become part of the community. People right. got to know you. They've got to see you. They've got to shake your hand. Um, and they've got to know they can actually call you and you'll remember them and make a difference. You know, there's no greater compliment you can pay to anybody than to remember them when you see them or remember them when they call you. And that's work. You know, it, it isn't like you're going to be networking. You are going to be networking, you know, 12, 15 hours a day. But you need to remember who you've met and you need to know you have to have a system in place to do that. And so if you can do that, that makes everything else work. That's right. Um, because now people are saying, well, yeah, he's part of the community. He's working really hard to become part of the community. And um, let's let's give him a chance to see if he can really do what he says he can do. Yeah, I like that. So I like to ask just in general for, um, you know, chambers listening, what tip or action item might you have for them if they're you know looking to try to elevate their chamber up to the next level? So I have found that, I mentioned this a little bit earlier, chambers have no authority to do a damn thing. Right. I mean, we weren't elected, we weren't appointed. You know, we got, we've got momentum behind us because of our membership or because of the projects we work on. But frankly, we have no legal reason why anybody would listen to us, come to a meeting and do anything like that. Um, for me, the way we engaged the community and other leaders was what made us the big convener that we were. So. I found during COVID and during the social unrest following the George Floyd's death and since then um, that the biggest resource I had was the number of other leaders, particularly of nonprofits or of government entities that I counted as more than just acquaintances that trusted me and I trusted them. And that we did things together because during COVID that meant that we picked up the phone and called each other and met as a group and said, how can we help solve this? And we problem solved together because we trusted each other. 
But trust doesn't just come overnight and not just based on need because there's a catastrophe around. It's something you build over time. So um, I think, you know, chambers can't do everything. They're not supposed to do everything. But United Ways are the same way. They're not supposed to do everything. Um, but they're important parts of the social fabric of a community. Uh, we mentioned the Urban League in Omaha. We used them as a partner because we knew that we were becoming more and more diverse and we needed to have a diverse voice telling us what was going on in the community. So we ended up with about 75 partner organizations um, that we worked with on any given day. And I could tell you which of those organizations were interested in what issues and we constantly pulled them in on, on those discussions and they did the same thing. You gain sort of, sort of a mutual credibility. So if they get the chamber involved, they can say the chamber's with us and that all of a sudden the chamber credibility is layered on top of their own and vice versa. You know, if yeah. you say United Way is a partner with us, all of a sudden all those folks that are United Way fans and maybe not too terribly engaged with the chamber, all of a sudden become people that want to be involved with you too. So I think a way you can help build your chamber's ability to get things done is engaging with other leaders and building a network and a collaborative process and engage leaders of other organizations who, who might also not have any authority to do anything, but just by virtue of the organization they represent and the members they have and the commitment their boards have, you can get more done together. Strength in numbers for sure. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. So going back to the analogy of skating to where the puck is, I'd like mm -hmm. asking everyone how they see the future of chambers going forward. Yeah, you know, I've always thought that chambers are, um, they're, they're underestimated by how much they can get done by in building a community. All the things we've talked about here from identifying resources to dealing with other leaders to doing strategic planning and thinking big picture, um, those are really about building your community. And uh, chambers have historically maybe not been in that space, but if you do it right, you can be in about the business of making your community successful for the next 20, 30, 40, 50 years. And sometimes that means changing things, being the disruptor. Um, and and I, I think that's the future of chambers. Chambers are have to be able to create an, a sense that they are more than just an organization that helps build networks. Um, they have to be more than, yeah, they're the organization that does economic development if your chamber does economic development or public policy or you know, whatever those things are that you're focused on. Um, because chambers need to be thinking big picture about what that community needs to be like. And there's nobody out there really that is paid to do that. Um, you know, they're, if they're a, a planning organization within a community, um, they get caught up in the same things that chambers get caught up in, the, the minutia of getting something done out the door on deadline. Um, chambers, I think, have the, the ability to bring all kinds of resources to the table to think about what needs to happen next um, and then be about the business of building it. So I think the Chamber of the Future is one that's in the middle of major conversations in all of their communities in talking about the future and then seeing that, that future become a reality. I love that. It all goes back to having that vision, you know, seeing yeah. what your community can become and then back backtracking that into today and then making right. those steps to get there to the future. So, you know, it's important that that vision isn't just yours. It can't just be, well, the right. Chamber's vision is this, the United Way's vision is that, and the Urban League's is this. There needs to be a community and really a regional vision that people realize is put together by lots of voices and is supported by lots of different folks uh, that they can relate to.
Yeah. And the regional emphasis is becoming more and more important. Yeah, our region is really big. I, I think we all learned during the pandemic that there were no local answers. They were all regional, state, and and federal, or even large region uh, answers. And um, I think you can go back and look at a lot of those different scenarios that happened over the years, and we'd all be surprised by how many times we went to a regional response, you know, rather than just a local response. You know, parochialism is dead. Community pride isn't, but being parochial about your decision and your actions really isn't going to be an effective way to function moving in the future, I don't think. Right. Absolutely. Well, David, it's been fun having you back on the podcast with us. I'd love to give you an opportunity to share any contact information for anyone who wants to reach out and connect with you or Next Level Consulting. What would be the best way to, to reach out and sure. connect? Um, I'm going to give you two ways to do that. Um, I've got a Rebecca Ryan um, email address. So it's real simple. It's db at rebeccaryan.com. So you can you can reach me there whenever you want to, if you want to chat about what we've done or how we do it or how you might be able to work with next generation um, on a project. Um, and I'll give you my cell number. Every, most everybody in the world has it. So it's 402-616-4175. Feel free to text me or call me and I'll be happy to reach back out and talk to you. All right, David's phone, he said, has not been ringing since he retired. So let's, <laughs> let's make that ring. <laughs> I knew I'd regret that statement. Right. <laughs> no, David, thank you for coming back on the show with us. It's great to, to hear about this transition into retirement, to still have that fire for community development. And uh, I'm glad to see you're still heavily involved with the, the work of, of helping to develop communities. Appreciate that. Thanks for having me on again, Brandon. I appreciate it. If you are a Chamber professional, please subscribe to Chamber Chat Podcast in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. When you subscribe to Chamber Chat Podcast, new episodes will show up in your podcast app each week as they are released. If you're finding value in this podcast, please leave us a rating and a review in iTunes. But most importantly, please share Chamber Chat Podcast with your colleagues that are in the industry.